Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse, uh, what verse is that? Verse 4, uh, going through verse 14, actually. And so we're going to be looking at uh, the first couple of sections of this long, extended, uh, chapter-long prophecy about the end of the world and the end, the Jesus's returning and the end of Jerusalem and a lot of other things. And is it that? Is it any of that? Is it all of that? I don't know, um, but we're going to talk about it some. So, right, so we spent last week establishing the first three verses of Matthew 24 and saying, essentially, it's complicated and people have a lot of opinions on this, and I'm going to make it as simple as possible because a lot of people try to tell you and, and enforce their opinion on what this chapter is about and what it's speaking about and, and some specifics, and they're going to try to to find specifics and lead you to the end of the world and i really don't think that's the most effective way to look at this and i don't think that's really what this is here for and i don't find that super helpful so i'm going to make this as easy as possible to understand and you know this section tonight really is what tells me it's a lot easier than we sometimes make it so we'll be uh looking in verse starting in verse four in the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus walks out of the temple after spending a long time in there debating with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everybody else. And uh, Jesus walks out and his disciples are like, well, sorry that the, the religion of Judaism is not for you and it's anti-God. Um, well, we'll uh, at least the temple's nice, and once the Pharisees and once the 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 really bad part of that religion is cleansed, we'll have the temple, and we'll be able to keep that again. And Jesus says it's not about the temple; the temple's going to be gone too. The disciples don't know how to take that, and so eventually they come to Jesus a little bit later after they've kind of thought about it, and they ask Jesus in verse three, "Hey, uh, when is that going to happen?" When is the temple going to be destroyed? When is the sign of your coming, <laughs> the second coming? When is the end of the age? And they ask these overarching questions, which set up Jesus' response in verse 4, starting in verse 4, Matthew 24. Start reading in verse 4. So Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus' answer here, it sounds tough, it sounds really scary, until you start breaking it down, and you might realize it's a lot simpler than we think it is. And it's really not all that terrifying, I guess. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's 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 talk through this. So Jesus answers. They they ask, right? The disciples ask, "When is this going to happen? When is the end of the world? When is the second coming? When is the judgment day and and the end of the age?" And Jesus immediately says, "Watch out that no one deceives you." Because guess what? People throughout 
all of history have been claiming stuff about the end of the world coming at a specific date and and uh, predicting the end of the world and, and doing things with this, and they've all turned out to be false as, as uh, witnessed by the fact that I am here today recording this to send it to you so that you can listen to it on whatever day you're listening to that. The end of the world has not come, despite however many people have said that they knew exactly when the end of the world would come, and those dates pass us by, and it's all just gravy. I mean, it's it's fine. The end of the world hasn't come. People are going to try to deceive you, and people are going to twist, especially stuff like this, to, to scare you and, and to get you terrified of what's coming, and then they're going to, to do something bad with it. Um, don't Don't worry about it, right? Don't let anyone deceive you. It's it's not that easy. You're not going to get a list of things that tell you when the end of the world is going to be. You're not going to get a list of things that have to happen before the end of the world happens, and so you're not going to be able to chart a timeline of events. It's not going to be that easy. Um, so, so don't worry about that. With that in mind, here's a timeline of the events before the end of the world. Okay, It, it starts in verse 5 where Jesus decides to give them as much of, of a plan of the end of the world as they're going to get. In verse 5, many are going to come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Okay, when does that happen? Right? If this is the timeline of events for the world to end, we have to find out when verse 5 happens. So when, when, is, when, when do people come and say that they are the Messiah? Well, I got news for you. Um, it happened before Jesus's time as borne out in Acts chapter 4, I think it is. Um, maybe it's, it might be Acts chapter 3. I think it's Acts chapter 4. I did not look this up beforehand because I just, it popped in my head while I was, while I was uh, sitting there. It's actually Acts chapter 5 in verse, um, in verse 36 and 37. There's, there are these two guys named Thutis and Judas, which is just a, a, a great pairing uh, and name-wise, it's just wonderful. Uh, and Thutis and Judas both rise up. They claim to be somebody great, some Messiah-like character, and draw away followers after them, and then they die. And Gamaliel is referencing that as a past event, as something that's past, and the legacy of Jesus is going to follow it. And in Acts chapter 5, that's what he assumes. And, of course, that doesn't quite happen because we're still talking about Jesus today. But that, that serves to, to show you something. Um... Messiah-like characters, people claiming to be the Messiah, the false messiahs, have been around since before Jesus' day, and they are still around today, and they've been around throughout history. Um, okay, so that sign's passed, obviously, and so we move into the next sign, which is going to be the next step down the road, um, and, and predicting when the future is going to end, when, when the end of the world is. Uh, in verse 6, in verse 6, this is this is the second step to the end of the world. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Um, when in history has that not been true? It's literally been a thing throughout all of time that there is just war in on earth. That is just a thing that exists permanently. So that's not really going to be helpful in our timeline of plotting out when the end of the world is. It's almost like Jesus doesn't want this to be a, a, a set of of coordinates of the end of the world is not what he's intending it to be, but it's what people take it to be sometimes, and I don't really know why. 
You know, uh, in verse 7, in verse 7, we'll, we'll further this discussion. Nation will rise up against nation. Always happens. Kingdom against kingdom. That always happens. There will be famines, which have been going on for a really long time. And earthquakes, which have been going on for a really long time in the history of the world. Uh, famines and earthquakes have just always been, as far as I know. And they always will be, as far as I know. And these are signs that people try to point to pointing you towards the end of the world. Honestly, Jesus is not talking specifics about the end of the world. He's just saying, hey, life is going to continue. And life is going to be how it's always been. And and yeah, sure, we're going to point to the disasters, and we're going to make this sound really bad, and, and it sounds really scary at a first reading. And then you realize, how many countries have famines right now? How many countries have wars? How many countries hear rumors of wars, like all of us right now? Um, how many countries have earthquakes? This is just a permanent thing that exists. Life is going to go on, and the disasters in life are going to go on. And don't worry, because nothing big has started yet. Nothing nothing really bad has started yet. These are just the beginning. In verse 8, these are just the beginning of the labor pains. And um, the end of the world hasn't really started yet. Alternately, the end of the world is, is here right now. We're always living in this time with wars and rumors of wars, with famines and earthquakes and false messiahs and all sorts of things. We're always living in this time. So we're not living in a in a time where it's it's going to be December 26th of 2022 that the world is going to end. It's not like we're living in in times like that, but we are living in a present reality in which the end of the world could come at any moment. That's a lot more comforting and a lot more terrifying at the same time, <laughs> right? There's no, there's no specific end of the world on the horizon. I don't know when to put the day of that, but Jesus is saying it could come at any moment. Anytime there's a false messiah, anytime there's a rumor of a war, anytime there's a little tremor in the ground, remember that the end of the world is coming and you all need to be ready for it because that's just the beginning of the labor pains. And that's not all. In verse 9, anytime you're handed over to be persecuted, anytime they decide to kill you, anytime they just hate you because of, of my namesake, because you've worked for Jesus so well and people despise you for it, anytime that happens, remember that the end of the world is coming and be prepared for it. And it's not like this is a unique event. Some people try to make this a unique event, like, oh, hey, there's going to be this this uh, this great time in which there's a great persecution uh, across all sorts of people um, uh, against all the Christians who believe in God. There will be a great persecution, and it will really cut down on Christianity's numbers. Maybe, uh, but that's not really what he's saying. He's saying, guess what? You're going to be persecuted which is a thing he promised from the very beginning. You're going to be killed, which is a thing he promised from the very beginning. If they kill the master of the house, won't they also kill the servants? If they decided to kill the teacher, won't they also kill the disciples? He promised this from the beginning. This is an assumption going in that they're going to be persecuted, that the apostles are going to be persecuted and killed. It's an, it's an expectation from the very first century and from the very first people that are there don't be surprised when you're hated by all the nations because of Jesus. Just know that that means the end of the world is coming and you need to be ready for it. In verse 10, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Again, that's just a thing that happens in life. 
So when you see that happening, remember that the end of the world is coming, and you need to be ready for it. Many false prophets, verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Don't we just see that today all over the place? People who want to, you to follow after them, and so they, they come up with this, this, maybe it's a religion, maybe it's a, a political expression, maybe it's, it's, it's whatever it is. It's all sorts of people who want you to follow them in something else, and these people are all um, trying to deceive you. Many will rise up and deceive many. That, that's just how it goes. That's how life goes. Guess what? Lawlessness is going to multiply. That's just a fact of life. That's how it goes. In verse 13, the love of many will grow cold. That's not verse 13. That was verse 12. Sorry. Uh, the love of many will grow cold. That's just something that happens over time because some people give up, and that's a fact of life. And unfortunate though it may be, that's how it is. It's not something special to the end of the world. It's something special to the, the world with the reality that the end of the world is coming at any minute and we don't know when it is and we better be ready for it when it comes because it all comes to a head in verse 13 when Jesus says, you know what? The one who endures to the end will be saved. There's a lot of bad stuff that's coming. There's a lot of bad stuff that has been throughout history. Wars, unpleasant and, and awful. Rumors of wars, not fun to live through. Earthquakes and famines are not all that enjoyable, false prophets dragging people away, people betraying and hating one another. N none of this is good. None of this is enjoyable. None of this is anything that I would love to live through. But it doesn't matter because it's going to happen. That's just a fact. And you know what? The one who endures to the end will be saved. I want to be one of those guys. I, I don't want to get caught up in mapping out when the end is. I don't want to get caught up in figuring out exactly how long I have until Jesus comes back and waste all my time with that. I want to be one of those guys who is out working while he can because, you know, the end of the world's coming and I want to be ready for it. And verse 13, the one who endures to the end will be saved. When is the end, Jesus? When is the end? I don't know. The end is, is after God has preached. The gospel is uh, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. When there's, there's, there's going to be preaching, there's going to be outreach, there's going to be um, work that people are doing to spread the gospel of God, and then the end is going to come. Well, guess what? There's been work that's been going on with the gospel for the last 2,000 years, and it's not stopping anytime soon. Who knows? when the end is going to come. Who knows the time when the end is going to come? Not even the Son knows when the end is going to come. Only God the Father knows that. And yet, we're not called to know when the end is. We're not called to try and predict it. We're not called to take these these few phrases and try to make them into something super important and try to try to figure everything out from there. You know what we're called to do? We're called to be faithful to the end. And that's it, right? And that's the application for this, this, this segment. The application for this is in verse 13. The one who endures to the end will be saved. You can spend a lot of time figuring out what every single phrase means and trying to map it through history, and y y you won't get much, honestly. Y you really won't. There's just, it, it always happens. This stuff is just, this stuff is history. 
wars and natural disasters and bad people and good people. That's just history. And sometime in history, the world is going to end. So are you ready for that? Well, are you enduring through that? That's the question that Jesus asks. Are you the one who endures to the end? Because that will make you saved. Or you can, you can not be. You, you could choose to not be the one who endures to the end. You can choose to give up partway through. You can choose to waste your time. You can choose to go after something else. You can choose all, all sorts of different things. But in the end, the one who endures to the end will be saved. I'm not interested in spending all my time in this chapter figuring out the specifics of when the end is and what it looks like and what comes before it and what goes after it. I'm not interested in mapping all those specifics out. But I do want to be the one who endures. So, thanks for listening. I hope that's helpful and a nice framework from which to explore the rest of this chapter from. It's really, really, it's apparent to me, at least, that Jesus is not speaking of specifics here. He's speaking in generalities, and he wants us to understand the general picture and the general point rather than finding out exactly when the end of the world is. So hopefully that, that's a helpful framework, a helpful, re, uh, a helpful rephrasing, and something beneficial to chew on as you go throughout the day. That's the goal, and, and I hope that that's provided for you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.